This is an Equity Beats Media podcast. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your Ingle Company Summer Series, a set of conversations where we are chatting to some of Australia's most relatable voices for their take on taboo money topics. Over eight weeks, we will be asking the money questions that may have recently been on your mind, but you haven't had the confidence to bring them up. Questions like, why am I putting so much pressure on myself financially right now? Or how do I tell my friends that sometimes I just can't keep up socially? We know firsthand that talking about money can be oh so awkward. And we want to acknowledge right off the top that there is a huge amount of privilege inherent in all of these conversations we'll be having. But we do think that the more open we are about money and the more perspectives we can gather, the better off our overall financial well-being will be. So, welcome to our Taboo Money Conversation series. I am Maddie Guest, and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host, Sophie Dicker. We hope that this episode gives you a catalyst to start your very own money chat. This series is brought to you by UP. As upsiders ourselves, we are super excited to be working with a brand that is aligned with our purpose of helping young people tackle their finances. UP is the first digital bank which is making money easy for our generation by giving us the tools to get our finances sorted and get what we want in life. And what I want right now is to listen to Chantelle Otten's thoughts about taboo money topics. Chantelle Otten is a Melbourne-based psychosexologist who is passionate about empowering people to feel great about their sexual health and self-esteem. Chantelle runs the first comprehensive sexual wellness clinic in Australia, is an award-winning author of The Sex Ed You Never Had, and just an all-round lovely human. So we thought, who better to join us on a taboo money series than someone who has made a career out of a taboo topic, sex? Chantelle, we have been starting every episode with a would you rather, and so the question we have for you today is would you rather have more time or more money? (laughs) both (laughs) as in more time than I actually have now is there like an indicator on this I think let's say you would have if you get more time you have to stay on the same money that you're on now okay but if you get more money money. (laughs) (laughs) okay love it because I'm investing a lot of time yeah and I would rather to have like I'm happy with how I'm spending my time right now Mm. like I'm definitely on a hamster wheel for sure but I would like to have more money for this hamster wheel. Yeah. yeah. What would you want more money for? Like if you could just spend it, like if you think about spending. Just for security, like yeah. for safety, for when I don't want to be investing this amount of time, that I have a little bit of backup, you yeah. know, all the things we're going to talk about in this episode probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we've already sort of given everyone the background of what you do, but a lot of what you do as a sexologist has to do with the brain and has to do with psychology. Mm-hmm. And research. it really got us thinking when we we're thinking about different guests that we wanted to come on to for this series because sex and money are both two like very taboo topics and I think that they actually have a lot in common when it comes to like I guess the way that it impacts our psychology, and then as a follow-on from that, our relationships. And so I guess in the same way that people often feel quite awkward talking about sex, we have the same sort of feelings when we think about talking about money. 
Why do you think that is? Like these are two things that we interact with every single day and that are such a big part of everyone's lives. So why is it so hard to talk about? I guess because we don't get taught really about either. Like Mm. if you think about our lifestyles, we get taught from our caregivers probably about money habits or we figure it out by ourselves. I think as feminine people, we learn that we have to look a certain way, feel a certain way. So we also learn our money habits probably from society and from expectations. Same with sex. We don't get taught about sex. We learn from media, you know, movies, narratives from our cultural background, from our religion, from our friends, you know, from the people who are closest to us, but we don't necessarily like ask those questions. So we don't get a solid education around it. Like we learned about math but we also learned about health, right? Yeah. We learned about chemistry, but we also learned, you know, a little bit more about healthy kind of communication stuff, but we didn't learn about the actual real life shit, like how to be in a healthy relationship or how to do the numbers. You know, we all learn about like geometry and stuff, but we don't know how to <laughs> like actually like apply like, it to I know our Pythagoras, whatever. Pythagoras. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Theorem or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that stuff anymore. Consult the X, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so crazy. That's so interesting because it's so true, but I've never put two and two together with those two topics because even when we were, like, thinking about what we wanted to ask and what we wanted to discuss, that still didn't come to my mind. And I think we said that heaps with money because people are really nervous to be like, am I asking a dumb question? Like, is this not going to make sense? So it's probably a really similar thing to sex. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to figure it out when you're in a little bit of a rut, right? Like we we see sexologists like myself. Usually people only come to me when they're in crisis. They don't come when they want to like learn some things. Some people do, like mm. don't get me wrong, but I think that's more because of my platform and my profile. Um, and I think that when it comes to money, like – we feel more inclined to trust people with our questions that are a little bit lighter, a little bit more open with people that we can see work in this area and would have seen, you know, hundreds if not thousands of other people before us with the same question. So that's like why podcasts like this exist and why people who have platforms to talk about money exist. Same with people who talk about sex. You know, it's a, it's a trust thing and it's also a shame thing. Mm. You know, don't ask that. Don't talk about money. Don't talk Mm. about this with him or like, you know, it's also coming back to societal narratives around relationships and who should be the provider, et cetera. This is so complex and layered. You shared an article on your story recently and it was about how I think there's a $2 million gap Mm. in the amount that women versus men will make over their lifetime, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Aussie women will earn $2 million less than men in their lifetime. So this needs to stop. That was from pedestrian. Yeah, it's crazy. And I remember when you put it on your story, you sort of did a bit of a call out to your community to ask people how that 
was affecting them in their day-to-day life. Can you share like some of the feedback or things that you heard from that? Yeah. So I, I mean, I spoke about this just before we press record. That was probably one of my most viewed stories for a long time. And I think that's because it is so taboo. I had 70,000 people look at this story. There were themes around working to give it all to daycare, which was super important. Yes. Because I think as fams, we think about, okay, well, having children, etc. So a lot of responses were around you work so hard then you go on maternity leave and you get no mat leave that's equivalent to your salary before that you're then expected to give the same into the relationship you know you divvy up money even if your partner earns like five times more than you you're still adding the same amount to mortgage etc and then you go and you have a child and you don't get superannuation and you don't get like the same amount in terms of your income um, plus you're taking on daily chores and then you come off like maternity leave and you're still doing way too much Mm. and you're not getting compensated for that so it was very interesting also like in terms of like how people work out their expenses in terms of like like percentages instead of like 50 50 And then also, I guess, people's like deep-seated feelings around it and also their personal experiences. So I had like some – one of my friends who's a photographer who said out of all of my fashion video clients that I have lost, 100% of them have been females undercutting me. So that for me is like, well, why is that? Obviously, like that's an area that I need to explore. Is that because, um, you know, they weren't able to – do the math on it? Is it because they overextended themselves? Is it, you know, what what's behind that? And there's just so many things here that I, I think is really, really like super interesting. There's definitely a lot of common themes there that we also hear from our community, particularly around, you know, that the maternity leave and superannuation. I mean, we've done a whole series ourselves on superannuation before because we know the importance of it. And I think that it's such a pain point for people because, you know, as females ourselves, the shifts in Australian society are so slow. Yeah, we definitely have a lot of work to do. Even the point around females undercutting themselves. Like we've had a whole conversation already in this series with Kath Ebbs about how a lot of the time when you're a freelancer and it comes to pricing your own work, it can be really challenging. And I think a lot of the time when we talk about that undercutting, I wonder if it's coming down to a lack of transparency and people not realizing the rates that other people are charging. So obviously on that, we are probably seeing an uptick of people using social media to express their thoughts, maybe because it's hard to have like those difficult conversations in real life. I mean, you said this is one of like your most viewed stories and it's probably because, you know, it's a way to get your thoughts out there instead because we don't have the right tools to communicate it. From your experience with your psychology side, do you have suggestions on how to approach these difficult conversations? I think first and foremost, I always tell people to start with themselves. So learn as much as you can. If you're coming to the table with, you know, a complaint or a need to redirect, you have to have something to back that up. So start with yourself. Often we like project onto the other person. So I'll often see like people who are in relationships or they'll be like, oh my gosh, my husband, he spends so much money on himself. But then they're like, but I expect him to also like pay for everything for me, you know? Mm. So it's like sometimes we have mm, flawed expectations. And that, you know, just also sometimes can come down to 
our projection. Maybe we're not good with money. I always say go away, learn as much as you can about this topic. And I give people some online courses to learn about, some people to talk to. Um, and really, like, interestingly, my friend Eva, she's a professional dominatrix. When I put this topic up, she said, hey, I'm going to send you this document that I had. I spoke to a sex worker friendly accountant, and this is all of his tips that he gave me because mm. often sex workers will not talk to an accountant because they feel like they can't because I don't find many accountants that will be able to understand their um, profession, etc. But if I look in like relationships, if you don't have a friend like Eva, where are you learning from? Right. Mm. So I learned a lot from her documentation that she sent me. I think when I look at couples, money is still so like underlying and it's so tied to our values within ourselves. Like, are we allowed to be asking for this much? It's also like tied to the gender pay gap as well, because still like masculine people are earning a lot more money than femmes. Mm. Um, and so you might be fighting for something that like society is also deemed as not appropriate or, you know, inconvenient, discussed still, or you're still seen as lesser within the system. Mm. So it's, it's super layered, but I try my best to give non-biased opinion from an outside perspective. Do you find money ever comes up when you're working with clients and talking about like their sex lives or romantic relationship? Yeah, of course, because often when we look at sex and we look at barriers to sex, we've got to look at, we've got to think about it like driving a car, right? Mm. You'll have things that accelerate you. That might be like feeling good. It might be hot weather. It might be a new haircut. It might be having a good time in your relationship. Um, it might be like space, energy, health, etc. And then we have to look at things that put on the brake. And so this might be money issues, stress, workplace stuff, being a business owner, like they're so intertwined. Often we have our foot way more on the brake than we actually want to. We have to, you know, think about how do we take our foot off the brake and like remove some of these barriers so we can have our foot more on the accelerator. Mm. It's interesting because it's like it all it's kind of all like combining into one at the moment. The fact that we don't have education around money can cause stress, which can cause issues within relationships. How do you think people can find a healthy balance between prioritizing themselves in a relationship whilst also understanding the values and prioritizing their partner? I think don't try and change your partner. My number one thing is you have to remain curious about people. And it's really hard when you have someone who might be impacting on your self-esteem, your quality of life, your health, your happiness. And we go, well, why can't they be like this? Or why can't they just say funny? Or why can't they, you know, provide more? Why can't they just be better at this? Da, 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 da? And we don't actually go, hang on, what am I doing here? What's my accountability in this scenario? The expectation piece is really interesting because I was listening to a podcast the other day. This is the second time in the day that I've mentioned Stephen Bartlett, but it was someone who worked in um, I can't remember specifically, but he was saying that with relationships, the downfall of so many relationships is the fact that you have such an expectation on the other person, but you don't place it on yourself. So it's funny to bring, or not funny, it's interesting to bring the aspect of money into that because it's like if you, if, as you're saying, if you don't have the education yourself or you can't provide value, you haven't learned, then it's really hard to have that expectation on someone different. Well, if you think about that, you're talking about subjective awareness of an issue 
rather than objective. So subjective is your thoughts, feelings, your past, your experiences and how you look at expectations and how that is feeding into what you – like how you expect a scenario to go rather than objective. Like put yourself in someone else's shoes. Take yourself way out of the domain of your own feelings and look from like a bird's eye view into what is happening and go, hang on, do I need to have like a non-biased opinion here? Because we all act from a place of emotion, right? So we all have our own thoughts and feelings as to why things happen, but we don't often sit back and reflect and have some self-humility around what is actually happening in that scenario and how we can change. So we talk about the importance of communication. Money and finances are often quite a private thing. And I'm interested to know your thoughts or like your experiences with how important is being transparent about your financial situation and about your money with a partner. How important is that? And is there a line of like what's okay to keep private, what you should be sharing? Oh, this is so layered. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) um, this is layered because I also see people who are victims of domestic abuse. Yeah. Yeah, so I have some skewed thoughts on it. And I guess like there is no one answer no that's going to fit all relationships either it's important to acknowledge because every relationship is different you have to have a different idea around these values however I'm coming from a place where I have seen like a lot of people be burnt and I have seen a lot of women get debt put in their name all the debt is put in their name and then their husband will say that they're crazy or, you know, they're a threat to themselves and society if they've got heavy mental health issues, like we all do, but it's used against them Mm. and they can't leave relationships because they've got debt in their name. This is, you know, usually women who have, and this is not a criticism at all, they've entered into a relationship where their partner has been the provider Mm. and they have done the domestic duties as they might have four kids, you know, and they've spent... 20 years raising the kids but they don't know how much their partner is earning and partners had an affair and then they've been left to their own devices they've been lonely ostracized and then they might have had like an affair and then all of a sudden they're the worst enemy Mm. so when it comes to my advice on that I don't have the answers. I think you have to look at your own experience and your individual relationship Don't rush into letting your partner know everything about your finances. I actually believe in keeping your cards close to your chest. I believe in an escape fund. I believe in like, you know, making sure that you are safe and secure. And, you know, I'm in a healthy relationship, but it's just that I have seen really unhealthy ones as well. Mm. So it's hard for me to like also say that because I don't want there to be like an article about me saying all of these negative of things and apply to my relationship. Yeah, This is from a professional perspective. I think you have to do what is right for you in those individual circumstances. And if you are earning a lot more than your partner, sometimes that can also lead to negativity. So I would just say like make your own decision and get wise advice on this one for your individual circumstances as well Mm. because I've also seen people in really great scenarios where you know maybe they have started on the same level as their partner and then maybe they've progressed as a femme and then their partner has gotten jealous or felt disconnected and it hasn't worked out 
you know, they've they felt like because they're a woman achieving more, earning more than their partner, the relationship falls apart. It's kind of like um, the reality housewives kind of like <laughs> scenario, right? Yeah. Like you see like the real housewives of Beverly Hills and all of their relationships falling mm. apart once they have some power and then some money oh and some God. status. Don't, Kyle, don't call Literally me right God. now. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I'm all about it. That's an interesting perspective, I guess. It, there's a layer of, you know, that having that independence is really important as a female, but on the same token, mm. it can be used against you, as you're saying, negatively. Do you find that you've ever spoken about, or I know you're wary about giving advice, but like broaching a situation where you do feel like you have more power? I think the advice that was given more on people's responses to this topic was looking at, I guess, basing your input into finances uh, based more on like a percentage level. So if your partner is earning three times more than you, then they should be putting in three times more into like the bills account or the mortgage account regardless. Mm. Um, it's not 50-50. So if your partner's on a million dollars a year and you're on 200 grand a year, you can't be putting in the exact same amount because they're probably putting in more than your actual annual income, right? So I think in that scenario, go to a therapist that is really well-versed with finances or go see like a financial advisor and they can give you the best advice on how to navigate um, your individual circumstances, but I think bring up that topic with your partner and just say, hey, like, I really want to talk about money, but I don't know how. And I think that I've learned that blah, blah, blah is really good at talking about this with couples. Mm. Why don't we go for a few sessions with them so that I can learn as much as possible? Yeah. I say, like, I... I want to learn more and I'll like follow and then you'll learn together. You know? <laughs> yeah. And say so no. like you need to learn more because I'll be like, fuck no. Like yeah. I need to learn more. Yeah. It's not about it. Don't put everything on them. Take accountability. Do it yourself. I really love that. It's interesting. I That percentage thing I always thought was a bit of a no-brainer in my mind. And mm-hmm. then I was actually, I mean, in preparation for this episode, I was chatting to lots of different friends and one of my friends said that, him and his partner actually like they have quite a big um, salary difference but they're still doing the same dollar amount not percentage and that's because one of them has a lot of savings and the other one really doesn't have any Mm. and so you know it's so nuanced like there's really not any sort of right answer or blanket rule that you can apply to all of this stuff which is why I think your point about let's talk about this together with a financial advisor is so perfect because they can give you that nuanced advice and Mm. from the stories you've just told like even when you go in thinking that everything you know you never enter a relationship thinking Mm. that things are going to fall apart it's every relationship has a challenging time you know you might also be like putting in 50 50 but your partner might pay for accommodation more Mm. or your partner might be like a higher organizer and then that like works out you know like everything is based off your individual circumstances and I think if you're not happy about something then you can say like this is a really hard thing for me to talk about and I don't have the answers here but I would love to work this out you know before 2024 or 2025 or before we have kids, something like that. We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors, but I'm very excited to come back and dive into far more of these topics. So 
one of my favorite things about this episode has been the conversation starters with my friends. Whenever we're prepping for an episode, we chat to our friends to do a bit of market research, getting them to send dilemmas or experiences. Have you got some relationship stories <laughs> that you're wanting to share? Well, as you know, I'm not currently in a relationship, so I particularly loved hearing my friends' experiences with their partners when it came to finances. I actually have to read you a text that I got from a friend the other day. Oh God, please make sure that you've de-identified them. No, it's not like that. My friend was sharing an experience of him and his partner, but then he said, but shout out to your sponsor Up that has actually made combining money 10,000 times easier. So there you have it. Well, if they're in a relationship, it sounds like they must be using two Up, which I can totally agree with because I use it as well. It's a whole lot easier than opening a joint account because your individual spending stays separate, Mm. but then you can join forces to battle bills or for a shared savings goal, shared expenses, etc. But you don't have to go to the bank and like open up a joint account. So whether you're splitting the Netflix bill or saving for a place of your own, 2UP is more than shared accounts. It's a collaboration. Join us, Maddie's friend (laughs) and other partner, and 750,000 young Australians using UP. And if you download the UP app today, and sign up with the code YRGC, they are going to deposit $10 into your bank account. You are welcome. Easy money. Easy money. T's and C's apply. Find them at up.com.au forward slash terms. Chantel, we've just been talking about how sometimes when people earn different amounts of money in a relationship, there can be power dynamics that sort of flow out of that. I was chatting to a friend the other day and he was saying that sometimes in his relationship he feels like he's the bad cop because he is always the one saying, oh, we really need to save. How, or I guess, do you have any advice around, you know, conversation starters or ways to sort of navigate talking about that kind of thing so that we can avoid those feelings of like resentment or frustration when you feel like you are feeling a certain role? Yeah, I think that that is a very common feeling. You have to learn about how did the other person learn about money, right? Mm. So you have to really sit back and think, how am I going to put myself in their shoes? Like where does their money habits come from? And like, what are my expectations of them and how they spend money and where do my habits come from as well? Mm. Um, I think that that's a very common thing. I think that's common also for like femmes to kind of feel like we have to spend a lot more to look a certain way, to have a certain status, to have the best clothes, the best look, the best injectables, all of that kind (laughs) of stuff. Um, And I think we do have a lot more expenses for us to maintain probably the image that they fell in love with or Mm. the image that we create during our relationship, whether they like that or not. And that is something you have to think about as well. Um, And I think that, you know, with your friend, I don't know his individual circumstances, but I would be curious to know how his partner reacts to that too, you know? Like, is she like, hang on, you can't control me or like, you can't say Mm. that or like, you know, yeah, you're right. I should be doing this. Like, what is the reaction there? I also think you have to look at, um, you know, neurodiversity as well. So there's a lot of, um, I guess, psychological conditions that might be impacting on compulsive spending. So, for example, I love spending money. I have ADHD. Part of, like, how I receive my dopamine is by, like, these little rewards that you get. So it can be, like, looking at your phone. It can be 
achieving a task. It could be spending money. And like, I remember just getting like fucking like so many packages a day during COVID because you were like so depressed. I need to. Oh, you did. It's like spend some money. And then my partner would be like, oh my God, like there's so many packages here that I didn't even know what was coming anymore. Yeah. And like now, I'm really lucky that I have an assistant who can send all those packages back (laughs) because I still do that, but I'm like a little bit more aware now that I've got a mortgage, you know, and like I have to run a business and I want to have savings and I want to like get into crypto and I want to have like investments. (laughs) Like I can't spend it all on clothes, right? My money habits are there not just because of like my neurodiversity, but like because my parents are really generous people and they'd be like, I've got it. I've got it. So like some of my friends, for example, will go out for dinner and I'll be like, I've got it. And some of my friends will be like, no, 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 babe, like I'll get the next one then. Or like, no, no, Mm. no, you got it last time. But then I've also had friends that just would be like, expect me to pay because I know also that I earn more money than them. Yeah. And I don't think that's healthy either. Mm. So actually, as I've gotten older, I've learned to A, not talk about how much I'm earning with my Mm. friends. That's my private information. B, what comes into your bank account is not how much you earn. (laughs) We learned that. When you're a business owner, you Uh. know, when you're like, hang on, That'll I've got tax, 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 tax. I've got, you know, like quarterly payments. Yeah. Oh, I've got to pay myself. Like all of that shit that you learn along the way, I've had to learn too. I started my business in 2017. So it's like very steep, quick learning curve. Otherwise, you're in a lot of shit. Um, so I know how to make money. I know how to spend money. But now I need to learn how to like, like actually allocate that money a little mm. bit better. Um, but I have friends who've worked in like on a salary for their entire lives that have got a very like I have a real abundant mindset I always know that I'm going to come into money I always believe that I'm going to be okay and even if I have no money I'm absolutely fine whereas I have like people in my life that have got a bit more of a scarcity mindset Mm. where they worry about that stuff a lot you know and that's because of their own situation that's absolutely fine as well Um, but you have to look at like how are you enabling yourself and how are you enabling others and I think with your friend and his scenario like there's so many factors to look at Mm. there like why does your friend have that mindset what is their partner doing apart from spending money to contribute to that as well Mm. how are they communicating about that do they need some extra help do they need other people to talk to about this stuff too? Um, what else is going on in their relationship that they can't talk about properly? Where is that good cop, bad cop coming from in other domains of their relationship too? Mm. It's a, like the, approaching it with thinking about how other people think about money is so important because it actually is a great way to, for a conversation starter. Like before you have the conversation to sit back and be like, okay, what are their values around money and maybe why is that behaviour occurring so that you can go into a conversation about it like quite well And how versed. have I enabled that? Yeah, exactly. How have I enabled this behaviour? Yeah, because honestly like in this scenario when we're listening to this, we're being very transparent in this series by the way, so we're telling all Good. our personal details, but I feel like I'm that kind of person in my relationship with my partner who 
he is a bit more of a free spender and I've got a bit more of a scarcity mindset. And I find that, like, if, if he goes to the shops, he'll just buy so much <laughs> random crap on our joint. It's not random, but it's usually the most expensive. He likes, you know, the nice, like, really expensive toothpaste and whatever else. And I'm always like, I don't feel like we can afford that. But he's like, oh, but it's, like, it's only $2 extra kind of thing. Mm. And so when we've had to approach conversations about money, I have honestly gone into it, like, any conversation knowing he is a more of a free spender and then setting boundaries for the both of us so that I feel really comfortable with him going to the shops and doing that, which might mean that he puts a bit more into the account than what our original like percentage might have been and like trying to make a dynamic that will work so that I don't have to feel like the bad cop, but he also doesn't feel like he has to restrict his spending if he wants to. Mm, that's really hard to do. Oh, my God, it's so hard like, to do. <laughs> like that's amazing that you've been able to achieve that. We're not definitely not there 100%. Like it's, it's always a work in progress. But I have felt those feelings before Mm. and being on the side of the bad cop, you feel really shitty about it. You're like, I don't want to like tell you what to spend or anything. But then if you are in a scarcity mindset, it's it's almost natural. Like it doesn't you can't just alter that. It just happens. I mean, over time, maybe if your relationship changes with money. But um, yeah, I think you saying that you've got to approach it from how someone else thinks about money is super important. I think you've also got to like get into a bit of trouble I'll be honest with you like if you really want to tra- like change your ways yeah you can't have someone who's bailing you out at the end yeah or if you do you've got to feel pretty guilty about it at yeah. some point right like I think that's all well and good but I think that enabling is like a different thing as well and what you're saying here is like yeah that's a really scary conversation and I have a lot of fears around it because of course if you push your partner you go like are they gonna like this Mm. will they still be with me like there are so many hectic things that go on in that scenario Mm. some people will lose relationships over money habits but that's also okay yeah you cannot be afraid in those scenarios of what like advocating for what you think is right within reason. Yeah. Sounds like you've come to a very healthy compromise. Yeah. But that's very difficult to do. Yeah. And for some people, they will never be able to do that. I also think you've got to look at like, what are you bringing to the table? Like if you're the higher spender there, are you bringing other things to the table? Like is your presence the present? Like what is it? <laughs> is it that you're like fun to be around? No. Like if you're a Grinch, you're not fun. Mm. You're not easy to deal with you know, and you're like spending all the money and you're not available emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever it is. Like, are you the person that is going to be kept around in that scenario? Yeah. For some people, like I see some people that spend heaps of money, but they're bringing like all the va-va-voom to the relationship. (laughs) Like they're the spice, they're the sugar, they're the salt, they're everything in between. They earn that money. They earn that money. And so I'm like, it makes sense. Like a hundred percent. You know, it's it's just super layered, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And I will say, like I'll preface it by saying he's a very generous person. Like so, so generous. It's just I think that he's got a the mindset of like you know, life's life, let's not skimp on it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it's, it's, that, it's that generosity yeah, that is exactly. like the same thing that plays out in lots of different ways. A hundred percent. I think one thing that I've been thinking about a lot throughout this conversation and like not to labour the point on your example, Soph, but like so much of 
this stuff comes down to trust and like trusting your partner. So whether it be trusting him to go to the supermarket or, you know, trust like... Gambling's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Especially yeah. around amongst males our age. A huge thing. It's so annoying. I know. <laughs> but then again, but it's, it's also like annoying we're spending all this money on like whatever. Like true. But it's annoying because they're, they're on their phone. And you're like, get off your phone. That's yeah. Like, mm, it's like, talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> How we should do an episode on dopamine and spending money. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> How can we build? trust and trust in relation to finances like you know you want to be able to trust that your partner is going to be able to go out and spend money in a way that is like aligned with what you guys are both comfortable with especially like when you're in a relationship like your finances or when you're married or de facto your finances do ultimately combine I think that it comes down to transparency Mm. and I think it comes down to a lot of self-awareness not everyone will have that however so I think that if you know you're not great at spending money, just be upfront and honest with it. Like, I'm not the greatest. I don't learn that much. I would like to learn. I just don't know what to look at. Where do I start? You know, and that might mean you suggesting listen to my podcast. Yeah. You know, and having like feeling normalized with your bad spending habits. Um, I think that transparency about your mentality around money is a really healthy thing i'm not saying transparency across your accounts Mm. but transparency around how you spend money and why you spend money in that way is really really important are you buying that bag because it's like hot right now or is it going to make you feel better as a person like are you doing it for status are you doing it because you can't afford it and you like it and it's a gift to yourself Mm. you know i have so many friends that are like oh i bought myself a treat because i got through the year And I'm like, I would rather spend that five grand like on putting it into my bank account or like seeing it grow in my investments. But that's my mindset now as a 32-year-old woman. I've never had that mindset around treating myself for like materialistic job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm also like a I'm like a flippant spender instead. So I know, okay, maybe it's not good to have like all my cards on my fucking Apple Pay so I can tap, tap, tap everywhere and just buy everything. So actually like I just changed phones. So I have one card on there. If I need to get out a different one, I have to like literally go find it somewhere. Apple mm. Pay is so dangerous. I Apple know. Pay. It's like remember when Afterpay <gasps> came out? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I like racked up like I reckon like $800 yeah. like when it first came out. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is when I had, was starting my business. And I was like negative 30 grand because I was a student, had lived overseas, like had had to use that money to like survive. Mm. And then after pay came out and I was like, I have this business, but I actually have no clothes that align with like being professional. So I have all these like <laughs> professional clothes on there. And then it took me like months to pay off. And that's because – it felt like free money. So Apple Pay actually feels like free money for a lot of people, especially if they've linked it to a credit card. I was going to say the biggest one for me was getting like a Qantas Amex. Yeah. I was like, I'm getting points. Like, yes. It's, it's going to come back to Being me. There. It's like, no. Did it get cancelled? Or did you? Sure did. Yeah. <laughs> so did mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. You yeah. think you're not going to fall into the trap it's and gamifying spending. Mm. I literally was like, no, I've like, look at my income. It's yeah. high. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. But so is your spending. Yeah. I was like, 
fun. Okay. <laughs> Your spending actually it's outweighs. A real reality check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting. So I guess with all of this in mind, if someone is listening to this podcast and thinking like, yeah, that's all good, but my partner is really good with money, they're the finance person or they're the ones that, you know, take control of this, you know, I, I don't need to worry. What like words of wisdom or like inspiration or kick up the bum would you tell that person? Because this is the whole reason why we do this podcast, right? Like it's so important that you're taking control of your own financial situation. Um, I think you have to be first start with being a bit more curious about that um, and then look at what are you scared of? Because... People don't want to look at their accounts. People don't want to look at their tax bill. People don't want to look at their BAS payments if you're in a business um, because there's a fear, an underlying fear there. And the fear is probably that you don't have enough money. Mm. But then you don't have enough money because you're so scared of actually looking at how much money you have that you're going beyond your limits. So look at the fear because fear will hold you in place. Just like in, you know, bad, toxic relationships, you get scared of speaking up to someone because you're scared. You're scared of getting hurt And within reason, you're scared of leaving, you're scared of asking for help, you're scared of like seeking assistance. All of that is within reason because you have a legitimate fear there that could come into fruition. I think with money, the same thing. You could be scared because you might not actually have any money or you might be going broke or you might have like not as like earned as much as you should have this year. I think for a lot of people in 2023, they will find that they've earned less than they did the year before. Um, especially if you, well, more so if you run your own business. Mm. There has been a real COVID hangover for a lot of small businesses um, where they're finding, you know, less bookings or, you know, less investment, etc. You can't be scared of that stuff because it's going to impact you worse in the long term. So I would just say, like, be open to learning. Knowledge is power, but also, like, don't be scared. You can do this, like... You can learn a little bit more, trust in yourself, trust that you'll be able to get through it. And I think just like have a bit more of an overview, get into the details, like try and understand and be more curious around money um, and you will go a long way. Yeah, it's good advice. I feel like looking into the details sometimes can seem really daunting, but if you do little bits at a time, it's a very worthwhile exercise and eventually becomes not easy, but, you know, if you look at it first thing in the morning, just do a little bit, it can really help. Absolutely. And, you know, with that, like in relationships, it's not black and white. Like things are very difficult. Not every money scenario you will be able to get out of, but you will be able to learn from it. Just like with every relationship, like there are going to be some really challenging things that come up there that will not be easy to navigate at all and might be difficult or might be painful to work through. But if you can try your best to have a really good understanding and overview, it will go a lot further than putting your head in the sand and not understanding any of it and you know, holding it at arm's length. Well, Chantel, thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. We so appreciate your time. I feel like we've been trying to come up with like a reason to get you on for so long. We've long admired all of the work that you're doing. And I think when this um, series came up and we saw the opportunity, we were super excited to be able to reach out. And thank you for agreeing to come on. I'm grateful to be here. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Chantel. Well, That wraps up another taboo money chat, I guess. 
But that certainly does not mean the conversation needs to stop here because we want your thoughts. Always we want to have your thoughts. We want to know what's your spending dynamic like in your relationship and how have you tackled that? Yeah, what works for you? Do you split based on percentages? Do you split based on dollar values? Have you had any really good conversations with a partner that you think might be able to help out other people? Shoot us an email to yigc at equitymates.com or DM us at yigcpodcast and we will be collating your thoughts. Anonymously, of course. And we'll be popping it into our brand new weekly newsletter. You can sign up via the link in our show notes. And whilst you're on your phone right now listening, why not download Australia's highest rating banking app? This episode was brought to you by Up After All, the bank making dealing with money easy for our generation. And if you download and sign up now using the code YIGC, they are going to deposit $10 into your bank account. T's and C's apply. Find them at up.com.au forward slash terms. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.